Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. All too often, conversations around physical disabilities focus on what a person can't do. Adaptive sports turn that line of thought around by celebrating and exploring what people with disabilities can do. And these days, that's just about anything. Adaptive sports combine a no-limit mindset with rapidly improving technology and results in people without legs skiing down a mountain and people with spinal cord injuries swimming and people with severe arm impairments participating in archery and so much in between and beyond. This is more than just wheelchair sports, and this is more than just an inspirational example of triumphing over adversity. Here to talk to us about the benefits of adaptive sports is physical therapist Shana Harrington, who has been involved with adaptive sports since 2000 and with Paralympic sports since 2007. Here's our interview with Shana Harrington. We know exercise and physical activity are beneficial for everyone, but what do we know specifically about the benefits of exercise for individuals with physical disabilities? There have been actually several research studies to show what adaptive sports can help people with disabilities, and right now there's over 21 million Americans that actually have a physical disability, and several of these research studies have shown that participating in adaptive sports, whether it just be at a recreational level or maybe even a more competitive level, has a lot of positive influences on things like quality of life, improving their quality of family time, their quality of social time, their self-perception, because several of these individuals were able-bodied prior to being injured. So those are some things that we found, at least in the research, back why doing an adaptive sport program is so important to these individuals. And just digging into that, you know, quality of life, I'm sure, could be improved in several ways. One, if you're being active, maybe you're learning better physical skills and improving your general physical skills. But there does seem to be, as you alluded to, sort of an emotional component to it as well. Is that right? Sure. I mean, like I mentioned, so many of these individuals were actually able-bodied prior to acquiring some sort of disability, and that alone is such a traumatic event. And learning maybe a sport they had previously participated in, but more in an adaptive way, and also the social setting, being around other individuals with a physical disability and the camaraderie that develops. There are just a lot of positive aspects for the individual, and also it extends to their family members as well. So let's talk about the range of adaptive sports. I think a lot of people might have a first image of, okay, it's somebody playing wheelchair this, right? Wheelchair basketball, wheelchair that. But what's the range of adaptive sports that are out there? So I think even, gosh, in the past 10-plus years, the sports are growing. You know, the way we tend to divide them out, you tend to have more of your winter sports, and then you can have your summer sports. Winter sports can consist of alpine skiing, but something called sled hockey. There's also snowboarding is now um, a winter sport that's out there. So those are kind of the more popular winter sports. And summer sports, there's probably a wider variety of that. You've got you kind of your standard sports you see all the time, whether it's swimming, track and field. There's a sport called sitting volleyball. There are some sports that are more specific for a disability. So um, for individuals with very severe cerebral palsy that are in wheelchairs, there's a sport called bocce ball. 
kind of any able-bodied sport that you can think of has been modified in some way, so someone with a physical disability can compete in. So obviously the range of disabilities is vast, but then also the severity. So in adaptive sports, assuming competition is part of the social aspect and returning to activities that somebody may have loved before, how is the playing field leveled to make it even possible? If you're talking more like a competitive aspect, there are a lot of different events that occur, not only in the U.S., but actually around the globe. And I'm going to talk a little specific to Paralympic aspects because that's what I've been involved with for eight or nine years now. And this is where physical therapists are very involved is something called classification. So an individual with cerebral palsy can't always be compared to another individual with cerebral palsy because it just depends on how their function is impaired by their disability. So as PTs, what we do is we will do an assessment that's sport-specific. So whether we look at range of motion or strength or coordination, and then we do a series of tests that will eventually place an athlete in what's called a sport class. So there can be a wide array of disabilities in one sport class, but the goal is is that their functioning ability or their level of impairment is fairly similar, and that's just to try to level the playing field to make it even in those competitive sports. Give me a couple examples. You mentioned alpine skiing is one. I mean, some of the ways that, say, a sport would be adapted to fit the individual who could have, again, various disabilities. Skiing, you know, it depends on their, again, impairments. You know, you have individuals who might have a spinal cord injury or individuals who can't walk, and they will be in what's known as a sit-ski. It kind of looks like a little modified bobsled, and it has skis underneath, and then the athlete can maneuver that. Some can do it independently. Some might need some help. Let's say the individual has a visual impairment. There's ways where you'll have a guide that will ski with you athletes with maybe an amputation. Some might ski with just one limb. Some might actually, with the advancement in prosthetics, they might ski actually with their prosthetic on. So it's quite fascinating to see how equipment has improved and changed. And in my experience in adaptive sports, we're so willing because we want the individual to participate that sometimes you come up with very creative ideas on whatever we can do to modify equipment just so they can participate. So it's kind of endless with that. So speak from your experience and give me an example maybe where you've modified something and where the creativity comes in. Well, this is very interesting. Some people might not even think of this as an adaptive sport, but I used to live in Florida, and there was kind of a surfing event where individuals who had spinal cord injuries that wanted to surf. And some of these individuals were on ventilators, and so we would modify the surfboard or sometimes surf with them. You know, we would do anything you could imagine just so that individual could experience what it's like to surf. Similarly, they also did like a water skiing event too. So PTs and OTs, I mean, we can be pretty creative in trying to modify a piece of equipment so that an individual can adapt to it. Are there any sort of standout moments in all the adapting of sports that you've done where you kind of think like, well, that was crazy. I'm not sure that I thought that was possible before we started. Gosh, I don't know if I have one moment with the adaptive part. I think more than anything, the things that stick out with me were, you know, individuals that, I mean, I do a lot with Paralympic swimming, and we have some individuals that have very, very high spinal cord injuries. And, you know, these individuals at first were so fearful of water, and then a couple months down the road, they're actually able to swim. And you can say, how can an individual with maybe a C5, C6 fracture swim? Well, they can. And so those are the things that stick out to me more is just their reaction as to, wow, I can actually do this and do it independently, too. 
I think the big thing is a lot of individuals who acquire a disability were so used to their independence and being able to do the sport on their own really helps them kind of gain that independence back. In a situation like that, how do you pick that sport for them? Or, you know, how does that come to be? So there's somebody who isn't comfortable in the water, doesn't think they can swim, and they've got somebody, at least you, and maybe somebody right. else saying, no, I, I think you can. How does that even happen? Well, it, especially from a physical therapy perspective, it kind of depends on maybe the athlete's interest or what we think would benefit the athlete best for maybe their rehab or their overall function. The nice thing about adaptive sports is everyone who's in the adaptive sport realm is so willing to help another individual out. So if I have an athlete who's like, I don't think I can swim, you know, we might connect them, say, with another athlete who's had a similar disability and kind of show how much they've progressed or maybe get them in touch with each other and show them that it is possible and it just kind of takes a little work and coordination with the physical therapist and the family members. And that's generally the way we kind of help them out. How valuable is it to you as a physical therapist if you can find a sport that makes the elements that they need for their rehab something, rather than being sort of work, something that they're looking forward to? How helpful is that to you? That is the best. It's extremely helpful if we can make physical therapy fun. Because physical therapy, especially after life-altering condition, can be extremely challenging. But a lot of times the goal is to get them involved in something that they can sustain when they're done with PT. So if we can find that outlet for them, that is generally our ultimate goal. So earlier you cited numbers, you know, in terms of Americans with disabilities. Due to wars overseas, we obviously have a larger influx of people coming in who are missing limbs, for example, just to cite one form of disability. As a result of that new population, as a result of the advancing technologies, which is sort of happening independent, potentially parallel, you seem to allude earlier to the idea there's advancements happening now rapidly in adaptive sports. How much bigger is this today than it was, say, five years ago, ten years ago, and where is it going to be five years from now? Yeah, I think, you know, I was reading some things about the history of adaptive sports, and they were going back to 2008. So there are the Paralympic Games that do follow the able-bodied both winter and summer, and they were citing the numbers. I don't know the numbers off my head, but, I mean, there's an extreme growth in participation in adaptive sports and also awareness in adaptive sports. And part of it is in the U.S. we have a lot of injured military veterans that are coming back from Iraq or Afghanistan that want to participate in these things. And they were also saying that I think it was Sochi and London, the Paralympic Games were actually live streamed on the Internet so individuals could watch these events. And I think that gained a lot of attention because I think sometimes people don't know what is out there for these types of individuals. So you've got that component. And then you've got just the component of technology and how, you know, prosthetics have changed that are enabling individuals to do maybe things that they couldn't even do 10, 15 years ago. And prosthetics is a component that is constantly changing and it is amazing to see athletes who couldn't do a particular sport or maybe they got too fatigued or something like that and now can do the sport i mean there are athletes with amputations that do iron man which is which is crazy you'll see them out there racing how much does it mean you, know, you mentioned the games being live streamed how powerful is it for these individuals with disabilities to see someone like them, someone with a similar disability, doing these things that they probably don't think is possible? Is, does that tend to be, in your experience, a significant factor in getting someone involved? Oh, tremendously. One of my favorite stories is I was at a developmental Paralympic swim meet in Oklahoma, and there was a little boy who was six, 
and he, you know, we were classifying him for the event, and he was born with some congenital anomalies, so two of his limbs were missing. And he had heard of an older athlete, older than him, named Rudy Tolson. I mean, Rudy was born with the same type of impairments. And my friend and I who were classifying, she knew Rudy. So she was telling Cody, I know Rudy. And Cody's like, oh, can I write him a letter? I'd love to meet him. So eventually he actually did meet him. But it was so neat to see this little boy who was six who, you know, faced some pretty big challenges already get connected with an older athlete who had done quite well himself. And I mentioned earlier how a lot of these athletes are just so willing to help out other athletes because they know how beneficial these kind of adaptive sports are for them. And how accessible are these adaptive sports? I mean, we mentioned growth, but if, sure. if somebody wanted to explore something or get into it, what would be their first step and how accessible are programs likely to be for them? I think it depends on where they're at and their kind of journey. If they're recently injured, a lot of the rehab, larger rehab hospitals in the country, say like the Shepherd Center in Atlanta or Craig Hospital in Colorado or Brooks Rehab in Jacksonville, Florida, they tend to have adaptive sport programs kind of linked to their rehab hospitals. Military veterans have a really great advantage because the Department of Veterans Affairs is really pushing involvement in these kind of activities and their special funding. They have their own website. The struggle I find is maybe people that live in more rural areas or maybe they've had a disability for quite some time kind of missed out on those opportunities through rehab hospitals or something like that. So that's one thing with PT. I'm trying to get out there to PTs across the country that there are these pretty neat programs in a lot of different states throughout the U.S. that these individuals can get associated with. So what's your takeaway in all this or takeaway that you want to give to somebody who might be out there and and wanting to do some adaptive sport maybe that they're not doing or for the first time? What's your advice to them and, I guess, words of encouragement beyond that? I would just say try to see if anything's going on in their area with the Internet. Now, there are a lot of different websites that you can find that will talk about maybe some adaptive sport programs that are going on. The military does something really interesting, um, particularly with something called the Valor Games in Chicago, where they have a little camp for injured veterans who aren't really sure what adaptive sports are, but maybe want to learn about a specific sport. And they are in this three-day camp where they learn a variety of sports that they might be interested in participating. And I'm starting to see that more throughout the country, not just with military populations, but just any sort of populations. So sometimes you have to dig a little, whether it's ask a local rehab hospital or maybe some PTs in the area. I just got involved years ago through a snow skiing event out in Seattle when I worked, and I just heard about it from word of mouth for an adaptive ski program. So sometimes you have to dig a little to find these things, but there's definitely a lot of opportunity out there. As a physical therapist, you're watching people do things that maybe they didn't think they could do or they were determined to do but probably had lots of setbacks. What does that feel like? I mean, that's why most of us become PTs is to see an individual kind of overcome some obstacle, whether it's, you know, just a knee injury or or maybe someone who's suffered a spinal cord injury to see them. I don't know, when, when you see their excitement and just, if you didn't know them before their injury, you can just see how it's almost just such a good outlet for them. And they kind of, again, like I said, feel like they're gaining their independence back. And even though they've probably gone through a lot to get through an injury, they really are starting to feel more normal again. It seems like one of the takeaways from all this in terms of the benefits for them is just the reminder that we were all meant to move. And it seems like these adaptive sports are just helping that happen. Is that right? 
Oh, definitely. I mean, physical fitness for able-bodied, it's the same for those that have some disability. Just, you know, it gives us those endorphins. It helps us mentally. It helps us physically. It helps, you know, us live longer lives. So any sort of involvement is really, as a PT, what we really want to encourage. Shana Harrington, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.